Thank you. And, uh, and the band, which are wonderful. Well done, guys. It's, uh, just, it's been great to be here. It's been great to be in part of worship this morning on Friday night with the combined team and, uh, and to be here tonight sh- sharing with you. I want to tell you a little kind of story. I've got no names to give you, and even if you ask me, I can't find them. But it's actually really important as, we, as I seek to introduce this th- series on theology. A couple of years ago, there was a a quite well-known, although they weren't involved with anybody you would know, quite well-known couple who are in worship leaders and have put out worship albums and and, uh, and lots of uh, churches across the US were singing the songs that they'd written and produced on their albums. And then all of a sudden they came out and said, we're not Christians anymore. We don't believe it anymore. We're we're kind of, we're, we're leaving Christian faith Etc. And there were some discussions in some of the circles that I travelled in around that, that this had happened. Uh, you probably know that every now and then when you're looking up a, a YouTube, you're looking up a particular YouTube uh, video, and then there's a list down the right-hand side. And wh- about three weeks later, I'm looking at this YouTube, uh, I, I'd found this video I wanted to watch, and I looked down the side, and here is this lady, worship leader, who had just decided she wasn't a Christian anymore, and it was a seven-minute video explaining why she wasn't a Christian anymore. I thought, that's interesting. So I clicked on it to watch it. And I watched the seven minutes. And you know what was really interesting about her explanation about why she wasn't a Christian anymore? That the ideas she held to were not Christian. In other words, she was stepping away from a belief in a theology that was actually incorrect. Theology matters. Theology makes a difference. Theology changes your world and your life. You think about this, what you've just been singing, what Greg just sang, sang then, that fabulous song, To the Ends of the Earth, when uh, Steve had us sing more of that chorus about God's faithfulness, when Steve did an introduction tonight about why we we're here, what was going to happen, what we're doing, all of that is actually theology. All of it is a construct about what we believe, who is God, how do we respond to God, what does God think about us, how do we respond in the world? Because if, if I bumped to you into, into, into most of you, I think, in the, in, uh, as you walked in tonight and you said, you're looking forward to a theor- series on theology, those of you who are honest would probably have said, not a lot. And if I said, and most people, when you discuss, talk to people about this, I've had this, they say, oh, look. I'm not a theologian. I'm not really into theology. The fact is, every one of you tonight is actually a theologian. Now, here's a little definition of of theology. The definition of theology is the study of religious belief, fact, faith, practice, and experience, especially a study of God and God's relation to the world. All of you actually have ideas on those things. All of you have a construct about who God is, how God acts, and what difference God makes. And we actually live in a country right now that says, wow, we're not really into theology. That's for the kind of Christian types where we're not really that interested in theology. We live in a nation that's actually deeply influenced in our values by Christian theology. Now, that's the truth. That's what we we sought to explain. We sought to... uh, Exposed in Jesus the Game Changers series, season one. Now let me just take a moment to talk about this. I, this morning I talked about Tom Holland and I won't spend a lot of time on Tom Holland. But one of the things that Tom Holland talks about is that the influence on Western nations of Christian faith. Now why I mention Tom Holland is this, because he's not a Christian. 
He doesn't call himself a Christian. He's written a 400-page book called Dominion. And Dominion is about the influence on Western nations of, of Christianity, the Bible, and Christian theology. Now, he doesn't say that, but that's what he means. And the intriguing thing is that we are, all of us, here in the building, and all the kind of suburbs around here that have never been to this church or any other church are already deeply influenced by Christian theology. Take this one reason. Are all people equal? Now, I just think if you bumped into people walking down uh, the streets of Launceston and you buttonhole strangers, don't do it. It's not socially acceptable. But if you did that and said, do you believe all people uh, are equal? They would say, of course they are. It's almost, and, and if you said, why, why did we think that all people are equal? They would say, well, everybody thinks that around the world and they always have. Both those statements are actually untrue. People have not always treated or thought people are equal. Now, little aside here. I've got a few asides tonight. Here's one. We might believe that we don't necessarily live it, okay? We may believe that everybody's equal, and, and most of you will in your heart know that really Australia, in all sorts of ways, doesn't give people the same equal opportunity. But the fact that we don't live it out within our society doesn't mean it's not a kind of value that we hold to. A foundational value of most Western nations and a foundational value of Australia is that people are equal and we need to, we need to treat people equally. Now, you think about our voting system. When you went to vote, for those of you old enough and got around to doing it, when you went to vote, your vote was worth exactly the same amount as Scott Morrison the Prime Minister of Australia. So when you tick the box on your voting ballot card, his vote was worth no more than your vote. What is that based on? You might say, well, it's a democratic process. No, it's based on more than that. It's based on the idea that all people are of equal value and worth. Now, if you think, well, don't everybody think, doesn't everybody think that, and haven't they always thought that? What was it that Tom Holland discovered as a Greco-Roman scholar he looked at the Greco-Roman world and he said, how come that their values about how they treat people are morally abhorrent compared to our values? Life wasn't worth much. There was a whole class of people that were, were, were a slave class. The great scholar Aristotle believed that, that slaves were not, uh, not really human, they were subhuman. They were like a working, living tool. You owned a shovel, you owned a slave. And that was never questioned. I mean, think about gladiators. Now, you remember the movie Gladiator? Remember back then when Russell Crowe was cut? And, you know, like, and I love the movie Gladiator, and you just watch this great movie. Think about this, logic, think about this. There was a class of people whose job was to kill each other for the entertainment for the rest of society. And I don't mean fake blood, I mean actually kill each other. Fight to the death. They would do that in the Colosseum. And could you imagine that there's nobody in the Colosseum watching this going, hmm, is that a good idea? <laughs> nobody seemed to question it. It was, it was quite readily accepted. Why? Because they weren't really a class of people like everybody else. They were there for our entertainment. When Jesus came along and said, everybody's worth something, everybody has dignity and worth, we need to treat people with quality and dignity and worth, those ideas changed the world. They were an Old Testament idea that meant that everybody is equal because we have the spark of God within us. Now, think about this for a moment. Here's a theological concept that our society has accepted 
But really, there's no logical reason. I mean, if you believed in evolution, if that was your construct of the world, there was an evolutionary construct, life is just billions of years of chance, why would you believe everybody was created equal? Because evolution actually, did, actually pushes you in the other direction. The intriguing thing is that the equality, the dignity and worth of all people came from a Christian idea that we have the spark of God within us. So that the disabled child and the billionaire have the same spark and are of same worth. What is all of that? That's theology. It's actually influenced the way we treat people in our nation. One of the one of the issues that we're going to deal with in this series, which is an incredibly difficult issue, is the whole indigenous uh, issue within Australia and how the, the colonisers that came to this nation treated the indigenous people of this nation, the first peoples of this nation. And, the, and here in Tasmania, the story is as bad as anywhere else. Now, the interesting thing is the church, the Christians, the followers of Jesus, are often lumped in with the colonisers to say, well, they all treated them the same. Here's a quote from Robert Kenny. Robert Kenny is an academic from Melbourne, from La Trobe University in Melbourne. Robert Kenny is not writing this as a Christian or a religious thinker. He's writing this as an academic. This is what he said. In the mid-19th century, a secular belief in the future of Aboriginal Australians, a right to that future was difficult to find. Now, did that, that drop in? He's saying that in those early years here in Australia, the belief that anyone believed that Aboriginals had any sort of future or a right to a future was actually hard to find. You couldn't find people that believed that. He goes on to say this. Those who believed in such a future were driven, and he's given you a bit of a picture here, those who believed there was a future for those Aboriginal people were not driven by visions of democratic equality or less by enlightenment philosophy, but overwhelmingly dogged Christian belief. What is that? Theology. In other words, the only people, Robert Kenny, as, an, as a historian, academic writer from Melbourne is saying, the only people, when you look back to the mid-19th century, that actually believed that Aboriginals were people of worth, were people who had Christian theology, a biblical worldview, a construct. And actually, one of the verses that they used is, is Acts chapter 17, verse 26, when it talked about... Now it's, that's, this is the King James Version. The latest version talks about kind of a nicer way of phrasing it. But he said, all of humanity were of one blood. Now, that theological construct that all of humanity were of one blood meant that Aboriginals were of one blood. And we need to treat them as, as such. What am I saying in all of this? That Christian theology has influenced our nation, even though most of us don't realise it. Theology matters. It makes a difference. It shifts communities and it shifts the world. But let me give you some kind of, let me ask you some questions about theology and how it influences us. I want to, I want to put a, a, a number of scenarios to you and ask yourself some questions about this. First, there'll be several of these. There have been cultures over the centuries that believe self-flagellation, in other words, beating yourself with whips, was the important way to please God in worship to get God to give you what you need. You basically whipped yourself. What do you think of that as an idea? 
Fires ravaged Australia in 2000, the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020. You'll remember those awful fires. Um, some think that that was the hand of God against the evil of Australia. So was that the case? Now, there's, there's growth around the country of veganism, I'm told. Not something that I'm pursuing particularly, personally, and many of you would, and I don't mean to be decrying that. I'm, I, I'm just talking about myself there. For some people, being a vegan is a health response. For some, and it's an environmental response, as they believe it, it, uh, you know, it's, it's bad for the environment to be continuing to eat um, cattle, etc. But the third is that there are some who believe that it's wrong for a species, one species, which is humans, to take the lives of another species, say, chooks and cows. It's like racism, but between species. Do you believe that you have the same individual worth and dignity as a chook? And if you don't, why not? As long as he, what about this thought? As long as you don't harm anybody and any, any other person, you can do what you like. You can act, act in any, any way you like as long as you don't harm another individual. Laws uh, and rules are just social constructs of power structures to, tr to oppress people. What do you think of that idea? You can avoid paying tax because it's not immoral because you shouldn't have to give money to a worldly authority. Finally, war is always evil. There's never justification for war ever. Now, here's why I'm asking these questions. That every one of those questions are actually influenced by your theology, by your construct of what you believe, who God is, how you know God, whether God's spoken to us, and if God puts uh, a framework about how you to think, live, act, and behave. As you go through these next several weeks looking at theology, and I'm, I'm sure that's not, you know, bouncing you out of your lounge, getting in your car and rushing down here to get the next week on theology, in a way you should, because it will actually matter as much as anything else you read and learn because it will help you answer some of the most difficult questions of your life. Your answers to any of those questions should never be based on how you feel about it. Now, you probably don't like the idea that you might be on the equal level of the chook, but here's the question. Why aren't you? And what framework do you use to answer that question? The fact that you don't feel like you want to be like a chook doesn't really answer the question. The question has got to be deeper than that. So here's some things that I want to say tonight about theology, theology and why it's important and why it helps us as we go into life. First, in a relative world, theology, theology gives you clarity. In a relative world, theology gives you clarity. You'll notice that we're dealing with this all the time. Things change all the time. We're supposed to be living in a progressive society. And in a progressive society, what was, what was okay 20 years ago is not okay today. What was not okay 20 years ago is accepted and justified today. And if you spend your life just kind of trying to work through what social media, what academia, what the commentariat is telling you is right and wrong, you're going to always be on sort of shifting sands and, and shifting ground. In the middle of all of that, how do you know where you stand? 
How do you get solid ground? How can you be, get clarity on your thinking, on your perspectives, on your values, on your decisions? Theology gives that to you. Now, let me give two examples about how this is shifting and changing. And coming Again, going back to Jesus, the Game Changer series one. At the time of Jesus, humility was seen as a vice, a vice, a negative thing. To be humble, to lower yourself in, in front of somebody else who was not greater than you, but if you were to humble yourself in somebody that was less than you, was actually seen as a weakness and a vice and something to be uh, avoided. Now, if we look at our, our, our political leaders today, what do we want in our political leaders today? We want them to at least act like they want to serve the community. We want them to at least act like. Now, we, don't, we probably don't believe them most of the time, but at least pretend you're trying to serve us. At least give us that amount of credibility. There's this idea that if somebody comes across as sort of arrogant, we were listening, we were interviewing John Anderson, and John Anderson said, what's, what's really interesting in the world we live in today is that we tell everybody you can have what you want, just go after what you want, you're the most important person in the world, you know, treat the world as if you're the most important because that's the way to go. And he said, what's really odd in, in the world today is if any politician actually acts like that, we find it detestable. We don't want to vote for somebody who thinks the whole world revolves around them. Well, at least pretend you don't. Here's the deal. So what has happened with humility? What has, been, what has changed? Well, the Christian virtue has always stayed the same. There's this sense that Jesus said, you're not there to, serve, not there to be served, but to serve. Humility ought to be seen as a virtue, not a vice, and our community has taken that on. What about celibacy? Community hasn't taken that on quite so much. That's not quite so enthusiastic uh, uh, taking up of the idea of celibacy. Christian values and virtues around uh, sexuality and sexual behaviour and sexual morals are now deeply at odds within our community. There are those in, on the progressive end of some theological constructs who say, oh, well, we should flow with society because in, it, we, we'll, be, we'll be out of touch with society unless we move forward with society. Christianity has never been a popularity test. Faith has never been about choosing what everybody else wants you to do. You know what theology gives you? Clarity in a relative world. Secondly, a utilitarian world gives you worth. The theology that you are loved and cared for gives you worth. A utilitarian world basically means you're important because you're worth something because of what you can do. Whether you're famous, whether you're well-known, whether you're an achiever, whether you're wealthy, whether you're one of the winners, or most famously, if you're an Instagram, you're famous as an Instagram influencer. The bizarre thing about the world today is that you can be famous for being famous. It was probably started by Paris Hilton. The Kardashians have made a, a fairly reasonable career out of it, and now you've got heaps and heaps of Instagram influencers who are famous, not because they actually produce anything, but they're famous for being famous. In a world where fame is what's important, in a world where profile is what's important, in a world where winning is what's important, or achieving or being, being successful, if you see yourself as kind of invisible and anonymous, are you worth anything? What if nobody knows who you are? Are you worth anything? 
What if nobody ever follows your fabulous Instagram? Are you worth anything? Because in a world that tells you you need to do stuff to make it worthwhile, you can start to feel like you're worthless. What does God tell us? If you're the only person in the world, I would have died for you. What is that? That's theology. That's what that is. That's an idea that changes your world. In a frantic world, theology gives you peace. I want to do a little interaction that's never happened to me, and I'm sure it's never happened to you. In a frantic world. When was the last time you met somebody in the street or hadn't, you hadn't seen for ages? You just bumped into them. And what do we always say? How are you going? And when was the last time somebody said to you, when you asked them that question, they said this, bored, stupid, got nothing on. Nothing's happening. How many times have you ask people what's happening? Oh, I'm busy, busy. Like everybody's busy. I mean, I've actually stopped using the word busy as much as I possibly can. You know why? Because it's totally meaningless. Uh, don't take this to heart if you're in first year of university doing an arts degree. <laughs> But here's the deal. When I talk to people in first year of university doing an arts degree who have five minutes of face-to-face lectures each week and they're busy, I'm like, 10 coffees with your friends does not constitute busy. Everybody's busy. But why are we busy? Why, Why do we tell everybody we're busy? Why do we pretend we're busy? Why do we keep having coffees with our friends to be busy? Because that's the currency of importance, isn't it? You know, they actually did some research on this just a couple of years ago, and they actually found that busyness had overtaken conspicuous spending as a way of showing how important you were. So they actually said, they actually did this study where they, they studied people, and the people who were deemed to be the most important in society were those who were busiest. That's why we tell people we're always busy, because it's a way of saying we're worth something. But what does busyness and and frantic lifestyle rob us of? Peace. What does theology tell us? You're loved because God loves you. And you don't have to do do a heap of things to prove your worth. Theology gives you peace. And in a judgmental world, theology gives you forgiveness. You know, Christians have often been labelled as being judgmental and hypocritical. The interesting thing is we've done a bunch of research in Australia that demonstrates that that's actually a bit of a myth. That's people don't think all Christians are judgmental. But there's this notion that they do. And and the intriguing thing is, cancel culture has changed the ethos in our society around that. Have you heard of cancel culture? Cancel culture is when you have the wrong ideas, uh, people will basically cancel you. Here's, Here's a little story by Claire Lehman in the Australian newspaper of the last couple of days. Here's what she wrote. Last month, Edward Livingston, who lost his job, was the deputy editor of the Journal of American Medical Association. He raised a question on a podcast that many would find completely reasonable. Here's the question he raised. He questioned the usefulness of the term structural racism in describing American society, a term which carries the implication that all white people, by definition, are racists. Structural racism, he said, is an unfortunate term. Personally, I, I, I think taking racism out of the conversation will help. Many people like myself are offended by the implication that we are somehow racist. Now, whether you agree or not with him, it's a reasonable assertion, is it not? 
7,000 people on social media complained. He's resigned. The, the editor has since handed in his resignation. And the editor-in-chief uh, has been placed on administrative leave. Cancel culture. In other words, if you come up with the wrong ideas at the wrong time and say it as clearly as you like, we will cancel you out. We will take away your voice. It is this totally judgmental position on our society and it's, it's the antithesis of free speech. Now, just in case you're wondering, well, does that happen in Australia? Does that matter? Have you ever heard of Israel Falau? Now, I, I'm, I'm not here to, to defend Israel Falau's post on Instagram. I don't think it was the cleverest, smartest, nuanced, or most thoughtful post. But here's the deal. It was a post on Instagram. You know, there are rugby league players running around uh, right now on fields in Australia who have, who have been charged with drug abuse, who have been charged with beating up their partners, who have been charged with distributing uh, videotapes of them in sexual conquests without the person that they were with knowing about it. These, all, all these people get a second go. Israel Folau quotes the Bible, yes, unhelpfully, yes, not thoughtfully, quotes the Bible, and he is cancelled for life. What do we believe in? We believe in forgiveness. We believe in a second chance. We believe in, in, in the fact that, that God calls us to forgive. I mean, interesting in, in Matthew, verses that you will know well. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others with their sins, your heavenly fathers will not forgive you. What, we need to, what would be helpful to understand is that that value, that virtue of forgiveness, actually had a really important foundational uh, values in Australia from our earliest times. Have you heard of Lachlan Macquarie? Lachlan Macquarie, for his sins, was in New South Wales governor. He probably would have been much better if he was down here in Tasmania, but he was in New South Wales. Lachlan Macquarie was there from about 1800 to about 1812, around that period of time. Lachlan Macquarie's wife was Elizabeth Macquarie, was a, a committed, firm, evangelical believer. Lachlan Macquarie had a committed Christian faith. On the ship on the way out, they read the Bible together, husband and wife, and they were asking themselves this question. What is it to be a Christian leader in a land? If I'm the governor of New South Wales with all of these convicts and some free settlers and all these, the, the, the army, who, armed forces who are looking after the convicts, what is it to be a Christian leader? And guess, you know what he said, realised that the, the answer was? That if grace has been expended to me, if I believe in the grace of God and my theology is that God gives us a second chance, then I need to extend that to as many people as I can. Governor Bly was the, was the governor of New South Wales before Macquarie. Governor Bly, in his time as the, as the governor, while it was short, emancipated. Now, emancipation is a long word to say give freedom. So gave freedom to convicts. Governor Bly emancipated two convicts. Governor Macquarie emancipated 1,565 convicts. Why? Because he believed in a second chance. That was his theology. Theology changes the world. Theology gives you the idea that there's clarity in where you stand and what you think. Theology gives you the idea that you have worth and it clarifies your worth. Theology gives you peace and theology helps you to understand, express, experience, 
and give forgiveness. Theology matters. And the band is going to join me right now as I wrap this up. I want you to understand as you come over the next six weeks, I think it is, that what you hear matters. And it doesn't matter as some esoteric idea that might be good sometime in the future. It matters now. It clarifies what you think. It will shift on what you believe. It will give you direction in your life. It will help you know how to handle the future. In fact, theology might be one of the most important things that you learn to grasp and understand because theology is how you view God. It's how you understand God views you and how therefore you treat the people around you. Could there be anything more important? I should be back here next week listening. It's so good. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you didn't leave us on our own, stumbling around in the dark, trying to work out how to live. You sent us your word. You sent us your prophets. And you sent us Jesus. Lord, I pray that each of us and this church would get a deeper, firmer, clearer grasp on what we believe and it will give us the ability to live well for you and to shift, change and grow our communities. Amen. Thanks, Greg. Thank you.